if I saw a woman who was very fat, I'm more likely to say she was large or well endowed or had a generous figure. (laughs) 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 Welcome to See Africa, Breathe Africa, a weekly podcast for those who are interested in traveling responsibly and having fun doing it. See Africa, breathe Africa. If you listen to the mountains, and if you listen to the hills, if you listen to the rivers, you can see Africa, breathe Africa, see Africa, yeah. Sunny greetings again from Kahiri and Micha. In this episode, we are joined by Charlotte of the Diary of a Muzungu travel blog, Owen, the most senior Ugandan guide on the Gorilla Highlands trails, and Misigarum, the leader of Gorilla Highlands experts in Rwanda. Kahiri, what are we going to challenge ourselves with? Today, we have a very interesting topic. Let's go straight to the listener mail. Dear See Africa, Read Africa, I'm writing to you because I'm struggling with something. As a Muzungu, a white person, living in Uganda for some months now, I've been very aware of my whiteness and all things that come with it. I always try to be friendly when people, especially children, shout at me, Muzungu, Muzungu, and often add, give me money to that, but I'm asking myself how I should interpret it all. Is it meant in a negative or positive way? I also wonder about my position in the local community. Knowing where today's global inequality and poverty originate from, it is sometimes difficult to feel comfortable. The fact that I'm capable of easily buying food or seeing parts of the country that most locals will not see in their entire lives makes me feel a bit of a hypocrite and somehow guilty. How should I deal with my white privilege? Last but not least, as being a Muzungu in Africa automatically comes with never-ending requests for financial help and a constant confrontation with the so-called Muzungu price, how does one handle that? And there you have it. And I would like to go straight to Charlotte. Would you care to give us your introductory thoughts on what we've had in our listener mail today. Well, what can I say? It is a big and interesting topic. You know, when I first went to Uganda, I just saw this word Muzungu everywhere. Before I'd landed, I had a I had a job offer. I was a volunteer in conservation. And I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to escape this word Muzungu and that I was going to get called it day and night. But I, but I never thought it was going to be a bad thing. The impression that I got was it's just, I'm white, I look different, and I act different in many ways. And so I decided to embrace it. Uh, to me, Charlotte, the whole issue of it being potentially negative completely disappears once I know that even light-skinned Africans are often called Muzungu, Kazungu. Locals just like to define people based on how their appearance is. Yeah, I mean, you you hear about people being brown or very black, don't you? Recently, I was 
at a shop here in Musanze, Rwanda. And I found it so funny that the guy who was communicating with me from this office said, who did you talk to? Oh, the black guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't know, like, if I was new, if I was new to... to to Rwanda or Africa, I would say, yes, everybody was black. But what he meant was the, the darker skinned among the, the officials there. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it, is quite, it is kind of refreshing that people say how it, how it is in, in Uganda. Let me talk about Uganda because that's the country I know best in Africa. Um, equally, somebody could say that you're very fat. <laughs> Um, you know, we, we, we just, we're, we're very visual, aren't we, in our descriptions of people? You know, black people have the same color hair, same color eyes. You can't say that the blonde or the blue-eyed, or you sort of go by the size, you go by the, the skin tone. I don't mean that so much, Kahiri. I mean, if I saw a woman who was very fat, I'm more likely to say she was large or well endowed or had a generous <laughs> figure. Figaro. Here in Rwanda, when you are being fat, when you are looking like somehow big, they will be like, oh, you are now becoming rich. Owen, you work with the Bazungu a lot, mostly not fat ones, because what you are doing mostly is hiking and trekking. But what is your own? personal view on being called a Muzungu and all other things that come to people's minds first when they hear the term. When they hear the word Muzungu, they feel like offended, but it's always up to us to tell them in our briefing and whenever they hear about the word, that please, it means this. Um, it's like someone doesn't know you and you say, ah, there's a short Owen, there's a tall Owen, they know that, okay, it is like this. But then uh, when you talk about the size, to Bazungu, it is really not acceptable. Because it happened to one of our hikers, and uh, one of our friends came toward his hand. He was like, oh, you are fat like my sister. <laughs> so he was very happy. But at the end of it all, he was annoying the other person. So different uh, perspective of you with almost different meanings. A couple of things struck me from the listener mail. Um, one is the privilege or what he perceives as a privilege and says, you know, you arrive and then you, you, you realize that in two weeks you see more about the country than the average Ugandan will probably see in their lifetime. I think that we also need to consider the culture behind some of these things because it's not always a situation that they, they don't see these things because they can't. It's just that the way our lives are situated and prioritized is different. It's about status, isn't it? Like for, for us as Europeans to, to travel and to be seen to travel is actually part of our personal development. You could say it's one aspect of status, whereas having cows and getting married and building a house that's very much part of the status of a Ugandan. So, um, yeah, I think as an outsider, you can make a lot of assumptions about poverty um, and then feel guilty based on that without realising that that money is spent and invested in, in, a, in a whole different way. We travel for events. We travel to see people that we haven't seen in a while. 
it's not that often that we'll be like, you know what, let's go look at that random mountain or hike by the lake. Uh, Miha, you know how we've gone back and forth about how, like, why are you hiking? So we're hiking just because we want to hike, because we want to walk over the hill. Like, yeah, but to do what, you know? It's a bit of a, even to, even to me, it's a strange concept. Isn't that one of the theories behind the origin of the word Muzungu? I mean, at least I often hear it explained as somebody walking around randomly. Yeah, Kuzunga. Kuzunga means to just, to just walk, walk around, move around, Zungaring. You know, you don't really have a purpose, you don't really have an aim, you're not trying to achieve anything, you're just walking around aimlessly. Also, when you say Muzungu, now it's it's a favored word because it refers to people who come from overseas who are perceived to have more money and better better things, better clothes, better gadgets, more fancy things that haven't been seen around commonly. So it's also it's no longer a derogatory term. I have a Muzungu story from the village when I went to visit. Uh headmaster's home uh, reportedly people from around the area they were saying oh, this Muzungu you know he can even use the pit latrine they were they were in awe they were shocked especially in the villages you really feel like an alien just like somebody from a different planet the way they look at you uh, they don't they don't actually see you as entirely human or maybe let's say uber human in some ways One of the things in the listener email is the topic of expectations of help, financial help, from people that you'll meet as a Muzungu who's traveling or living in the Gorilla Highlands region. In one of the podcasts that we did um, earlier, we talked about the topic of giving and how to give responsibly. Charlotte, you've lived in Uganda for quite a while. Do Do you want to give your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, this is, uh, this is this is a big topic, the question of requests and school fees and so on. Um, I, I love saying no. I have to say, you, you have to be strict. You have to say no. Uh, begging is not a part of Ugandan culture. Tourism is, is creating that begging culture, that dependency culture. Um, and I find in Uganda, if you say no firmly and smile, that's normally enough. You know, if, if you say yes to one person, then you're going to get more requests. You're going to put pressure on other tourists to give as well. Um, and then you get to the situation where you don't want to walk around tourist areas or you only want to walk when you've got a local guide, which, which is stressful. There is a difference between begging and uh, getting support. Uh, and I will go on my side. So how did it happen? I was in a field, I was digging, and I saw uh, four volunteers coming. They were walking through our village, and they had a guide. And then they asked us if they could participate in digging. We were cultivating sorghum. And then we were like, okay, yeah, you can come, you can join us. And in the meantime, one of them asked me why I was not at school, because I was a little kid, schools were on. So I said... Yeah, my parents are still looking for some money, so I'm hoping to go there soon. And then for him, we took it in his account, and uh, I got a surprise when I saw him uh, inviting me to join them at the Dorisa on Lake Bunyoni. And from that, he said, you know what? My mother is going to pay school fees for you. And from that, it was like a surprise from, from nowhere. Something that I was not thinking of. 
you wrote very beautifully about that in the in your article about the history of Ederisa and the Gorilla Highlands Initiative. It also it's also changed your life because you got into the current career of a tour guide, right? Yeah, sure, sure. I think your your story is is extremely moving, Owen. I'm I'm so happy for you. But if you're going to sponsor somebody, you should try and do it through organizations who know the reality on the ground and who can target the right people and give you support and the students support as well. Um, because it doesn't always end well. Um, and then there are people who might take advantage of you or the sponsor. So I think these things do have to be handled a bit cautiously, don't they? You also have a story to tell, right? I was in uh, SOS Heim and Jimain school. Of course, the school was founded and learned by Vazungu. So we had like retold this relationship with them where they came to visit our school, where they provide some gift. So we were in that situation of knowing that Bazungu or Muzungwa, the people who came in Africa to maybe provide some support, financial means or any other kind of support. So the idea of Bazungu to have money to be able to offer was being developed from all those experience we had. I find it fascinating that my affluent Rwandan friends are much more likely to just throw some coins towards a beggar than I am because I have some, let's say, philosophical problems with beggars. But to them, it's like, okay, if I give you a hundred francs and you leave me alone, that's a small price to pay. I've seen that repeatedly. There is this inspiring story from uh, World Vision. They were giving the, the people money without any specific reason. So th that mindset was changed by saying, instead of providing money, let's just providing a way of funding their own needs. Like for example, let's buy for them a, any domestic animal to have in their homes so that they can produce some money for themselves. And talking of money, can I just mention the, the expectation that white people have money um, and the constant demands that you, you sometimes feel that you have and whether it gets tiring. <laughs> and I, I have to say it does in certain situations. Um, as for the Muzungu price, sometimes that means that the price is higher. But I say, Stagala Muzungu price, which means I don't want Muzungu price. Normally that works an absolute treat. It's always very funny uh, when it comes to price. We have price discrimination in Uganda. I think uh, the local people have this tendency of cheating, most especially whoever comes and they don't know them. Even if they're not Bazungu, even if they're local people that they know oh, this person is not used at this shop, they always really tend to increase their prices. So the piece of advice I could always share with our international friends or tourists or Bazungu is get a little bit of some time and get to know about the average price of many things, most especially what they need to use in their entire life. My weakness is uh, cappuccino and it's 10,000 shillings often. It's eight or it's 10,000 shillings. And, and I look at that sometimes and I think, and I've haggled with the border over 2,000 shillings. And I, I do. I think what a big hypocrite I am. But at the end of the day, um, it's my money and I choose how I spend it. I, I don't like the pressure to spend money in a way I don't want to spend it. I, I think with the, when you go into a cafe or a, 
a supermarket, the prices are clear and you know what you're getting for your money. There is a context of African culture that we might miss. So, for example, when you enter into a community and you're recognized as part of the community, you're also seen as part of the collective responsibility. And when I say collective responsibility, I mean like sometimes there are people in the society, you know, a child who's brilliant, who's doing well at school but can't afford, and members of the community are like, you know what, let's get together and send this child to school. Um, you know, for the betterment of the community. And then usually this child will be sent to school. People will put things together. Someone will bring pocket money. And then, you know, this child is expected to go to school, study, and then come and give back to the village. So it's a sort of paid forward, paid back kind of thing. Um, Also, when somebody falls sick and they have, you know, we don't, not all of us have the insurance structures and health benefits and all of that. So your family, your society, your community is kind of looked at as your insurance. I know that in Western societies, that's not very common because everybody has sort of a a health scheme, you know, an education scheme. You know, things things are planned and structured in a different way. Thank you for reminding us about how that works. I know that um, in my 10 plus years living in Uganda, I, I don't always get it right. Um, in terms of way I act when people ask me for money. I feel like it's um, my attitude is, is a work in progress. And sometimes I'm grumpy when I shouldn't be. Um, and sometimes... Yeah, as I say, I think I think it's something that we're, we're still learning. So I don't think I can have the last word on this. I think it's an open conversation that keeps evolving. Would you like to learn more and go deeper? Follow us on Apple Podcasts by pressing the plus button at the top. Or on Spotify, you should simply tap follow under the podcast title.